0: was a super seamless transition <laughs> it's really easy when you're like navigating three different zoom devices and about to preach <laughs> um i just want to take a second and i don't know i don't know how you guys are feeling right now but um mission focus has just been really really good to me this year if you're a zoomer <laughs> maybe throw the mute mute on um, But I want to just challenge you guys, before we get into everything, to just be thankful for all the people that did all the different stuff. Like, there's people sitting right here, and maybe even as we just list through these things, just give it up for these people. There's people that came and um, served us food, and there's people that um, cleaned up all our messes, and there's people that led us in worship, and it was sweet, it was wonderful. Um, And there's people that brought the word, like, over in the main building and Jeff yesterday. It, there's been a lot of really good things, at least at least from my perspective. It's been really sweet. Um, I'm also at the point where I'm just like, if I lay down, even on one of these little dookie mats, I'd probably just be out for like three straight days. <laughs> like, it's been full, but it's been really good. Um, so we got the final session, and in saying all that, like, we want to be thankful, but I also want to challenge you guys just to persevere a little bit, you know, like, I stayed up probably about six hours past my bedtime last night. So I really just want to like crash and be done <laughs> in my flesh. And maybe we're feeling that same way. Maybe we're like, I missed yesterday. I feel a little bit disconnected um, or whatever it could be. Maybe I stayed up too late. Whatever the thing is, I just want to challenge you guys to persevere. We got one more message. We got one more instance where the Lord can speak to us and speak to our hearts. So I want to invite you into that um, and encourage you guys in that. So I'm going to give you guys a quick recap of the things that we've been looking at, because it's been a lot, and some of you guys weren't here at all yesterday. Um, okay, so we're just going to get into it. I'm going to pray because I feel pretty frazzled. <laughs> I feel like I'm, my brain's all over the place, and we need the Lord to speak to us. So pray with me if you would. Lord, we do just still ourselves, and we, and we slow down. Um, mission Focus has been wonderful it's been challenging. It's, it's spoken to my heart. I pray that we could all say the same thing already. Uh, but, Lord, I also just pray that right now we could have that happen all over again. God, your word is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it can show us where we're at, and it can show us where we need to go. And your spirit teaches, and your spirit is powerful. So, God, I'm just praying that that would be the case. Lord, this message, um, man, I, I want to hide behind your words. I want to um, just stand in demonstration of the power of the Spirit, because anything that I have to offer is just like tiredness and weakness and confusion. But Lord, we need to hear from you. Um, we're we're blessed to have already heard from you a bunch, but we need it again. <laughs> so Lord, we ask for that and we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so day one um, in the student sessions, we'll just go over those real quick. We had four key points. First one was God has given us those Powerpuff Girl giftings, right? We got, we got some sprinklings of these different things. There's 19-ish different gifts, um, and each of us has some measure and some combination and some place where those things can be applied. God has given you spiritual giftings so that you could fulfill a role in his body. That's his desire. And as we fulfill the roles in the local church body, God is, that's creepy probably watching that. I'm just like trying to fix my contact on my eyeball. I got to do it though. It's necessary evil. <laughs> So as we fulfill those roles, God is glorified. So not only is the church body benefited, not only do we build these awesome relationships and and we're fruitful in our local church, but God is glorified. And that's ultimately our purpose. Um, So while we're diverse in all those giftings and those roles, we're united in the purpose to bring God glory, to fulfill the Great Commission, to do the things that God has called us to. So through that, I was encouraging you guys to just own, like, figure out who you are. We've, we've done kind of these silly different things throughout a few different days, and there's been tasks, and there's, there's just been kind of goofy things to do to kind of get your mind going, like, what giftings do I have? What roles could I fulfill? Um, we're doing this simulation, so you could, you could actually see what that would look like, and we'll continue that today. But whatever it is that God has you to do in, in real life— <laughs> Beyond Mission Focus, I pray that you guys would own that role. You'd be content in that role. You'd recognize that God has placed you in that role. And that you just love others in the place that God has you. <coughs> day two, some of you guys missed it. You guys missed out. Jeff brought the word. Um, I'd encourage you guys to check it out. I think it's probably already up on the MBT website. So if you go check it, check that out, Mission Focus, day two. Um, Jeff also had key points. He was talking about discerning the departure. So Acts 13, um, there's these guys, Paul and Barnabas, and they're separated by the Lord unto a work. So they're separated. The Holy Spirit leads and superintends that process. But the things that Jeff was giving to us was God gives us leaders to lead us and help direct us using God's word. So like, it's not going to be just like this thing where, well, it's what even is today, Saturday. It's Saturday. I kind of feel like going to Kazakhstan. I'm going to do that. No, it's, it's, a, it's a process that the church is involved in. There's leadership involved in it. Um, God's Word directs that. That's how this whole thing rolls out. So healthy reproduction always happens in the midst of life and ministry and sacrifice. I just want to read these two so you guys can get your head wrapped around where we were. The Holy Ghost is the one that gifts us, uses us, and sends us. It's not about us. And then finally, buy a field with a mentor. That was a point that I made the first day, Jeff made again. If you don't know how to minister, if you don't understand your role, if you don't see your place in the church, find somebody that is already laboring in the field, walk alongside of them, and then learn so that God can use you individually as well. So we have examples of this happening right in front of us, and that was really encouraging. That was was a really sweet time yesterday where we just got to spend some time praying for the Renault's and the Toadies and the Merritts and the Ongs. These are people that are engaged in that separating process right now. They're saying, man, God, it's, it's worth it to be faithful. It's worth it to follow you. It's worth it to lay down my life. I've been doing that in my local church at home. But, God, you're separating me to a new work, and I'm willing to do that. So we got to pray for them. Um... And during that activity, we, we figured out which team we were on, and we, we kind of did that hypothetical, right? So all that stuff together, uh, just a quick review. But this morning, we're kind of going to split right down the middle of the first two sessions. So the first one was you take all those giftings, you take those roles, you start to do it. But you're not actually ready immediately to go be planted. Like you're not immediately ready to go plant a church or be a part of a work like that. God needs to mature you. There needs to be some refinement. That's what Jeff was talking about yesterday. We're going to go right in the center of it. In between figuring out what my spiritual giftings are and how I fit in God's body and being sent to the uttermost parts of the world, what do I need to do in between? And the answer to that is the work. Get to work so this morning we're focused on doing the work of, of god and that verse keeps popping up ephesians 4 12 got it up there cool um, it says for the f- perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ and i've, I've got these I've, I've got salvation and i've got these spiritual gifts and i've i figured out this purpose why for the work of the ministry, to see other people built up. that we, we talked about that kind of ad nauseum the first day. That is your purpose in life. You're still here so that you can build up other people. You can be built up individually, but then you can build up other people. You can see them saved. You can see them informed with all the, all the doctrines that are in the Bible, and then you can see them sent, or you can be sent. So we're engaged in this process, um, and again, we're going to pause momentarily because my slides aren't even like my notes i'm noticing aren't even accurate how they need to be to know anything about my slides so please pray for me this is not actually working how it's supposed to right now (laughs) tech issues baby okay so we're going to answer two key questions praise the lord Two key questions. Um, If you're one of those people that's looking for like the key points, you're never going to find them because there's no key points in this entire message. So you just need to see what the scripture says uh, and how your life fits in there. So key question number one, what does this work look like? And then key question number two, why spend my life doing this work? Like there's so many different things I could spend my life on. Why Why should I spend my life fulfilling this work of God? Okay, so the passage that we're going to be kind of launching out of this morning is 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 11. We're going to read that together. Uh, it's up on the screen, or you can flip there if you want. Uh, verse 6, starting, it says, Therefore, we are always confident. So this is Paul speaking to the church at, Co- at Corinth. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith. Not by sight we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So before we jump into answering those two key questions, we're going to take a slight detour. Um, and we're going to look at a couple of quick truths. Yesterday, or Two days ago, there were some quick facts. Today, we got some quick truths in those verses. The first one, you can see it in verses 6 through 8. You guys are all alive. You can see this here. You guys are all alive. And while you're alive, you're absent from the Lord physically. This is what Paul is saying to us. So we're not physically walking around with Jesus incarnate right now. That's not the case, right? We're all aware of that. It's pretty clear. Um, so while we're absent, or while we're present in our bodies, we're absent from the Lord. But when you die, you will immediately be present with the Lord. That's, that's going to change in an instance. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. We're going to be before the Lord. Everyone will meet Jesus. So physically, we're not with Jesus right now. He's in heaven, but we're at home. So when you're at home, you typically have the lights on. That's a term used for your mind. Like the the light wasn't just on. You're talking to somebody. They're not grasping what you're talking about. Uh, Right now, you guys are all at home in your body, in in your fleshly body, in your flesh bag. The lights are on, but when those lights go out, When we pass away, when we leave this corruptible flesh bag behind, (laughs) the truth is, absent from the body is present with the Lord. We will see Jesus. And that really excites me because I I can think about my flesh right now. I can think about it every day in my life, and it just wars against the spirit. It just wars against what I actually desire to do, the things that God has placed in my life, the purpose, the roles, the giftings. I want to live all that out, but there's a war that takes place every moment because my flesh still exists. It is super exciting um, to think about that moment where I'll just get to be with Christ. I don't have to be present at home in this body anymore. This is what Paul is saying as well. He's, he's excited. He's, he's willing rather that he would be with the Lord in heaven than, than to continue a physical life. And that's kind of a weird thought unless, we've got some, <laughs> unless we're thinking like Paul, unless we're thinking like Jesus. It's better to be with God. But a lot of the times we're just thinking, I, I want to just continue my life and do the things that I want to do. Okay, so we're physically, we're not with Jesus. He's in heaven. We're at home in our physical bodies. But there will come a day when we will be before Jesus. We won't have this fleshly body anymore. We'll be with Christ. Second key truth is um, this provokes something in Paul. This reality that he's going to be before the Lord, it provokes something in him. And what it provokes is a labor, a work. He recognizes that he has to get to work because he couldn't stand the thought of... Being anything else other than accepted of the Lord. I don't know if you guys have ever had that thought before. Like, is there anything that you want more than anything else in the whole world? It's rhetorical, but think about it. Is there anything you desire more than anything in the whole world? Because if you ask Paul that question, he says, Man, I, I know that I'm going to see Jesus. I know everything that I've done with my salvation, with this gifting he's given me, with this purpose. I know that's all going to be brought into an account. And I want more than anything just to be accepted of the Lord. I want him to look upon my life and how I spent it. And I want him to be pleased with me. That's Paul's number one priority. Um, so often that's, that's just not us. <laughs> that's not where our priorities lay. But we can look at Paul's example this morning. Okay, I want to highlight this way of thinking. And th- this is how it looks in my mind. This is where I went. In Matthew 25... 14 through 28, you guys are familiar with this parable, um, but let's check it out real quick because inspirationally it speaks to Paul's desire that his labor would be accepted by Jesus, that idea we were just talking about. So let's refresh ourselves just really quickly. In the parable, there's this man, he's a ruler, and it says he's traveling into a far country. Um, He's got servants, he calls them to himself, and then as he calls them to himself, there's three of them, he delivers them some goods. So these are those talents, and you guys have heard this parable before. Um, unto one he gives five talents to another two and to another one to every man according to his several ability and straightway he takes his journey. So this ruler, he gives his servants a purpose, a mission, a job, something to do, and then he takes off. So as we place ourselves in this parable, we are those servants, and God is that ruler, and he's trusted us with goods as well. He's just trusted us with gifts, with time to manage, um, with roles to fulfill, and just like the man going to that far country, Jesus is currently away. That's what Paul was saying in those first few verses. Jesus is currently away. He's not physically with us, but we know according to Scripture, according to prophecy, what's Jesus going to do? Come back. He, he will return, just like the man in the story. He will return soon. Verse 16 then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He that had two made two. But that guy who was given one talent went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Two of these servants go hard. And you guys can see, maybe you could think about people that are doing that in ministry around you. People are just burning themselves. They're giving everything they've got. They're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever the Lord would have me to do. They take the money that their master had given them and they get to work and they see that investment that that their ruler had given them, multiplied. It doesn't stay five. It doesn't stay two. It turns into ten. It turns into four. They double up. There's a return on investment. These servants spend their time and their giftings doing the things that will please their master. See yourself in this parable. God has made such an incredible investment into us. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild what God has invested in me and in you. It's absolutely stunning. His son's life For us. His spirit. In us. His words to us. His church around us. So we have to ask ourselves. Are we multiplying anything with what God has invested into us? Are you taking what God has given you to manage? And are you living in a way that's pleasing to him? Because the possibility exists that we're just that third guy. Who's been given something. We're given something to to manage. To steward. And we're just hiding it away. Every. like. And I wanted you guys to hear that. I hope you heard that two days ago. Every single one of you at salvation, your, your soul was sealed for eternity. You, you'll never be lost again. Jesus loves you. He has saved you from a life separated from God. He did that. And when he did that, he gave you gifts. And he, he made you a minister. And he called you to the ministry of reconciliation. He's invested so much. But we have the potential to just hide those things away. He looks at the investment and he does nothing but hide it in the ground. So, man, think about, try and consider those gifts that you're thinking through two days ago. A dash of faith or a pinch of teaching or some help, some governments, some administrations. You would perfectly fulfill probably multiple roles within your church body. Like, I, I believe that. That's, that's my opinion on that. Like, I don't, I don't think there's one little role. Like, I'm very, super amazingly content being in junior high ministry. I think I could actually fit in a number of different roles based on the giftings I've gotten. But God allows me to be led of him and kind of have some liberty in where those things actually get applied. <clears throat> so you would perfectly fulfill a role in your church and, and, and maybe even a church plant one day. Um, but we just disengage and we don't do anything with it. We don't think about it, We let alone do the things that God has called us to do. So in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants comes back and he reckons with them. They work through it together. The men must answer to their Lord for what they have done or what they have not done. And so too must we. Romans 14 is really clear. In verse 12 it says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. That man returned, those stewards did answer, five talents, two talents, one talent, All the gifts, all the possibilities, all the time that has been invested into us, we too will give an account for what we've done with the salvation. This isn't a salvation conversation. (laughs) This isn't like a cast into utter darkness conversation. That's not what we're talking about. If you're saved, you're saved. That's by grace through faith. But now we're talking about works based on what God has entrusted into our care with that salvation. We must give an account for how we spent our time, how we spent all these things entrusted into our care. So, in verses twenty through twenty-eight, they keep going. Um, just real quick, big broad overview as they give that reckoning. Two of those guys, they say, "I have gained. You gave me five; I gave you five back. Here, here's all ten, Lord." And man, these these words just pierce me so, like more so than really anything in Scripture that I can think of right now, at least. <laughs> These words, well done, thou faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those words are just so incredibly piercing to me. Because that, what more could we want? What more could we want than to be told by our Lord? I just share that heart of Paul. Man, I want to be accepted of Jesus. I want to be accepted. Like The things that I do, the way, the way that my life plays out, I just want God to be pleased with that. If that's, if that's what I get to say at the end of my life, then I'm going to be pretty cool with that. <laughs> that's going to feel pretty good. As you look down in verse 25, there's that other guy. He says, I was afraid and went and hid my talent. And the response there is also incredibly cutting. Also incredibly just comes right to your heart. Thou wicked and slothful servant. So there's two things. As this reckoning happens, these men describe what they did, and their Lord responds based on their actions. And just like the Lord in the parable, Jesus has been gone a long time, but he will return, and we don't know when that is. Two servants put their giftings to work. They took what their Lord gave them, and by the time their Lord came back, they had something more to show for it. One guy allows the things of this world to get in the way, and it doesn't really matter what it is that got in the way. Like The example that we're given here is fear. But he had a role and he didn't do it. Like he had, if we think about ourselves in there, he had giftings which would apply in a role and we just don't do it. It just doesn't transfer into action. He made excuses as to why he couldn't do what he was supposed to do. And when the Lord returns, we're going to hear one of those two things as well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, thou wicked and slothful servant. So I want you guys to just consider what, what do you have at this point? If, you're, if, if the moment was now, if the Lord returns right now, he he busts this whole thing open or fly up through the ceiling and we're with him in the air. I'd be hurt maybe. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> you just blast off at the rapture or we die today. What do you have to show for the investment that God has made into your life? And then also what excuses are keeping you from doing the things that you know you're supposed to do? Like, As I look around this room, I see people that I've seen a lot for a long time. I don't think these things are foreign to you. I don't think this message is new or crazy. I think you know that there's going to be a moment where you give an account for how you spent your life. What excuses are keeping you from living a life that's pleasing to the Lord? Okay, as we look back at those... Forgot to switch through those, my bad. As we look back at those spiritual truths, um, Paul recognized that there was going to be a moment for him where the Lord would give an account for how he lived his life. And in verse 9 of Second Corinthians, Paul describes how desperate he was that his labor would be accepted of the Lord. So he says, we, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And I was thinking through this, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be a dad. Like, that's just like, that's just like, man, that's going to be really cool. <laughs> that's just going to be nuts. I'm, I think about it really frequently. I'll just look at Jerry and I'm like, it's my baby mama. <laughs> yeah, my baby's in there. Sweet. <laughs> I'm gonna have a baby in like, what is that, six months, five months? I don't even know. May 29th is when they're saying. I'm really excited. I'm pumped. I'm looking forward to it just immensely. When I think about Jerry bringing our little baby, Joshy Jr., JJ, who knows, who the, whatever the baby's name's gonna be, those aren't spoilers. <laughs> That's a big mix of feelings, though. That's associated. And there's there's super excitement. There's love. There's nervousness. There's hope. There's expectation. There's maybe hints of fear. Like <laughs> there's all these different things that are just blended into this one crazy moment. But when I think about the moment that I'll be before my Savior and my Lord, man, all those feelings are there, and all those feelings are intensified. <laughs> My whole life's going to be on display and brought into judgment. Man, so many feels, <laughs> so many things that have swarmed my mind. All I know is that whenever that moment happens, whether that's today, in a few weeks, after baby, before baby, in 20 years, and whatever time frame it is, whatever timeline, man, I have to be accepted of Jesus Christ. I have to labor so that when that moment occurs, Jesus is pleased with me. That's the goal of the work. Okay, so to our first question. There's your long, crazy introduction. For that first question, what does this work look like? Because that's, that's what's going to be judged, right? That's what the passage says. This work in Christ will be judged. What does this work look like? And this is not at all comprehensive. Uh, we're going to be moving somewhat quick, so maybe just get the verse reference, and then you can go back to them later. There's a ton of different ways this could be described. This is very short. God's work, though, requires belief. Jesus, speaking, says at the end of this passage, This is the work of God, that you may believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus says, believe on me. This is a key ingredient to the work of God. At the beginning of that passage right there, it says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life Jesus himself encourages us and have faith in me and don't take like don't spend your whole life just on this garbage that's going to perish in the world lay up treasures in heaven so God's work requires belief God's work is actually pretty hard <laughs> if you'll engage in this if you'll say God I see my giftings this week I see potential places and roles that I could fit in my local church body and I'm willing that's going to be difficult. That's going to be hard. 1 Thessalonians 2.9 says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God. Laboring night and day. Matthew 11.28 um, All ye that labor and are heavy laden. The, the work of God isn't just this cupcake walk, this really super easy thing. Uh, it's probably the, like, if I think through it, it's, yeah, it's the hardest thing I do in my life, I think. <laughs> like, I go to grad school, and it's just like, this is, I, I don't even have to think. Like, this is just like, I do the things. I teach full-time, sort of, <laughs> at a school in the inner city. It's not, it's like, it's just like, okay, that's work. But laboring for souls and laboring for people to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and grow... <laughs> That's a hard work. Jeff was over at my house until like midnight last night working on stuff, like picking up boards and trying to figure out all the slides and get ready for this morning. I went to bed six hours after my bedtime because I didn't have any idea how this thing was going to come together at all. It's heavy sometimes. But look at the promise of God. Man, if we'll engage in this, he will give us rest. He'll, give us, He'll sustain us. He'll give us what we need. So the work of God requires belief. The God, God's work is hard. Um, the work of God does not end. I, there's no, like, I'll probably be done teaching at Hogan in like a year. Who knows? I, just, I keep saying that, and then I, like, get extended another year. Um, I'll, I'll be done with grad school unless something goes terribly next, at the end of next spring. Those things have an end. Those works have an end. But the work of God isn't going to end. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in this work. I'm always abounding because it's always there. There's always something to be done in the Lord's harvest. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what, man, That's that's really encouraging to me. Yeah, I can always abound in the work of the Lord. But that's really encouraging to me because I can have a confidence. I can have a, I can have a, like you see people pass away sometimes and they're just like full of hope, they're full of joy, they're perfectly content. They're ready to go because they know they lived the life that they wanted to live. You also see people that are like freaking out. <laughs> they're terrified. They're super concerned as to what's happening next because they spent some of their time on the things of the Lord, but they spent a lot of their time on the cares of this world, the desires of their flesh. And they, if they've heard this passage, they're like, this, this could get real ugly real quick, Lord. I, I don't want to suffer loss. I don't, want to, I don't want to hear those words, those piercing heart words. We can have a confidence. Because if you live a life that's always abounding, always engaged, you'll know that you haven't wasted your time. You'll know that you fulfilled the roles and the work and, and the purpose that God gave to you. You can be confident like Paul was, No fear in death. Not terribly concerned about the judgment seat of Christ because you knew what it said and you did what you should and you know what the results are going to be. You can be confident. The work of God must be reliant upon God. The work of God must be reliant upon God. Psalm 127 verse 1 it says, and this has been in songs all over the place the last few weeks. It's just been everywhere in my heart and mind. It's, it's the reality. <laughs> Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Psalm 90, verse 17. The work of our hands. Lord, would you just establish that? Would you please establish that work, Lord? Because, man, I'm willing to grind. I'm willing to do all these different things. Um, I'm willing to spend and be spent, and I'll do it gladly. But God, unless you're involved in this whole process, I'm laboring in vain and I'm wasting my life. And at that judgment seat, I won't have confidence because I was just trusting in myself the whole time, not you, Lord. We've got to be desperate that the Lord would be the one that establishes the work of our hands. Ecclesiastes 2.11 This is another reality about this work. You guys could mute that'd be awesome <laughs> Ecclesiastes 2.11 it says I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought this is this is the type of thing you could think at the end of your life I looked at all the things that my hands had wrought all the things that I had done and all was vanity Tobias trying I think I think he might have muted me <laughs> Can you guys hear me still? Doesn't seem like it. Could somebody else around Zoom? That'd be sweet. <laughs> Just hold it up over there. Thanks. Okay, so the the reality is, man, we can be confident at the at the second coming of the Lord, or we can be absolutely terrified. We can be super concerned because we wasted our life on the wrong things. Ecclesiastes two eleven, I looked at all the things that I did my whole life. I look back on that when I was 65 and something befell me and I'm in the hospital bed and this is it, I can tell. I look back at my entire life and there was nothing profitable. It was all vain. I didn't benefit anything. I look back at the talents that God gave me. I look at the time that he had me to spend for him and I see that I just squandered it all. That's terrifying. A life of misdirected labor will lead to regret. Also, Ecclesiastes, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should just leave it unto another man that shall be after me. I don't get to take anything with me. The things that I spent my whole life on, they're just going to stay here. That's the path that half of us are on. So ask yourselves, are you willing to engage in this worthy work? Are you willing to um, grow and get plugged in? Man, if you don't care about any of this, if you're apathetic to it, that should be kind of concerning because you might just be wasting your life. And this is, there's been all sort of interruptions and stuff like that that would make this message hard to listen to, but God's Word is powerful, and He's calling you to action. He's calling you to live a life of a servant that is pleasing to the Lord, that, that's acceptable in His sight. Okay, question number two, why spend my life doing this work? Well, there's two big things that I saw. Again, you could come up with a, a ton of different reasons, but the first one is there's an eternal reward for you living your life for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-15, there's a ton of stuff there. Um, but just pulling out the highlights. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. It's the same thing we're just reading in the other passage. You can build upon your salvation that foundation of Jesus Christ. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. You guys know that stuff, but would you allow it to actually do something in you today? Like, I, I need it to do something in me. I, I need it to provoke me to, to actually... Like, we were, we were in the Zoom chat yesterday... While everybody was doing everything here, and Jeff talked about just, like, going and and sharing, going with your mentor and doing something. So I was like, hey, dudes, let's go to the mall and share the gospel. You guys want to do that? There's, like, five people that are like, heck, yeah, let's do that. Let's actually do those things. Let's actually be about it. Let's not be Christians that say, I'm going I'm to spend my time, I'm going to spend my life on the things of the Lord and then never get around to it because we love the things of this world more. Chris Bess is preaching on separation and consecration and we, how we can't allow the things of this life to be just this subtle um, substitute, you know, like just this crappy substitute for the real thing. There's nothing as good. The reality is that fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if it's not the right things, then it's going to be burnt up. He'll have nothing to show for his life. And that's that's pretty scary. So there will be eternal reward, but there's also blessings associated with choosing the good. There's a blessing associated with choosing the good things. And that word good and bad... Um, Those things pop up at the end of 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that hath he done, whether it be good or bad. I don't know what it was, but just good and bad stood out to me here. So my works will be judged. I'm going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. There's all this stuff on the line. Every Christian will receive something. We'll receive it based on what we've done with God has given us i think we look at these verses and we think about the judgment seat and that's fair that's right that's good we think of jesus sitting on the throne we think of just glorious light worshipers all around her around him worshiping in spirit and truth that glory that perfectly holy jesus loving caring but simultaneously powerful (laughs) kind of intimidating mighty but it says we're judged on whether we do good or bad. And that's, that's how all of our actions and our time and our thoughts can be categorized. Very simply, good or bad. I'm pretty simple-minded. One thing at a time, in order, please. That's good for me. My mind is like that. I can get on these like tracks. It's, it's weird. <laughs> if I'm judged, I thought to myself, if I'm judged on what is good and what is bad, as I live my life in Christ, well and i need to know the answer to the question of what is good so flying through this really quickly what is good not us <laughs> okay i'm going to be judged on my actions and the bible very explicitly tells me in my flesh dwelleth no good thing in my natural self i can't provoke i can't perform anything which is good whatsoever there is none that doeth good no not one what's good not me that sucks that's that's concerning crud I guess I'll just give up and stop thinking about it because that's really intimidating and scary. No, search the scriptures. What is good? God is good. If you look at, and I would encourage you guys, this was really powerful, um, just this little kind of filler to this message. If you do a phrase study of is good, there's a lot of really cool things in there. That seems super simple and like kind of like, I don't know, maybe I just excuse that away because it's too simple. Is good is a really good phrase study. Half of them just say, God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. God is so good to us, guys. Like, that we get to have this conference, that we get to have eternal life. Like, you could go on and on and on about how God has been so good to us. God's love towards us. There's one of the issues. This is 3 o'clock in the morning slide making. Same verse there, the one I meant to put was Psalm 69, verse 16. It says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy lovingkindness is good. God's love towards us is just so good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. So God is good. God's love towards us is good. It's good for us. There we go. It's good for us to draw nigh to the Lord to our good God. Psalm 73, verse 28, it says, It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. These are just really simple verses on what is good. We're either going to do what is bad or we're going to do what is good. So I'm telling you what is good. I'm inviting you into doing what is good. <laughs> Drawing nigh to the Lord is the best thing you can do with your life. If you abide there, you'll bear much fruit. A little bit different. Going through hard times is really good. I've been noticing this more and more. Like these are actually some of my favorite seasons of life. Like my first year at Hogan teaching, where I was working like 65 hours a week, is just really hard, and everybody's like, "You should be depressed and like miserable." I was like, "I don't want to be depressed and miserable. I want to learn something from this. This is good. It's good to go through hard times. Um, Psalm 119:71 says, "It's good for me that I might have been afflicted, that I may learn Thy statutes." What like comfortability doesn't drive me to desperation into the Lord's word. Hard things do. So going through hard things, that's really good for you, and it's really hard. And I hate it, and I love it because I know it's going to produce a new me after the fact. It's going to change me. It's going to transform me. I need to learn God's statutes. I need to hide those in my heart because when I do that, then I'm going to be living a life that's glorifying to the Lord. So I need those hard things. What else is good? Two left. God's spirit and its leading in our lives is really good. Psalm 143.10 Teach me to do thy will for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. I don't know if you guys could just testify to that. Thy spirit is good. Man, if I didn't have God's spirit in me, I would just be so sick and messed up like, my life would be disgusting that com- he's a comforter he's a redirector, he's a teacher he's ever- like, God's spirit is so big in your life and I hope you understand the depth of that statement okay last one it's good to have a relationship with Christ and to trust him Lamentations 3.26 it says it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord Okay, so all these things together. We're judged by what we do in our body after salvation. We need to do good. Those were some examples, but we can also do bad. I'm not going to go through seven of those or anything like that, but here's one for you. What is bad? Conversely, these things are going to be brought into an account, right? There's going to be a reckoning that happens when that Lord returns, good or bad. Which one is it? All these things can be classified. Rejecting God and His words. That's pretty bad. This this one can kind of like I saw this one I was like that can basically encompass all of the things that I'm seeing on is bad study. What is bad? It's bad to reject God, it's bad to reject his words, and live a meaningless, purposeless life. Jeremiah thirteen ten says, This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. we need actual obedience <laughs> like these words can just sound out through this theater and they can they can come into your ear and they can bounce off they can go somewhere else you can you can turn your turn your heart and your ears away don't refuse to hear my words god directly calls that <laughs> good for nothing like that's not a redeemed time which he calls us to okay last verse here paul says with all these things that are true Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, verse 11, we persuade men. And that was just the last thing from this little passage that just hit my heart and I wanted to do with you. I, that's what I've been attempting to do. I'm, I'm kind of beat down in my flesh. I'm tired. I've been spent this week. But as much as I can, as much as the leadership could, man, we just persuade men and young women. <laughs> we've, heard, we've heard so much this week. We've heard it's just been absolute gold. It's, it's been like humbling how, go, how deep God's word is. Chris Best is talking about just this call to separation and how we can't take these junk things in life as substitutes. Joe McKay talking about being mighty men of God and doing that even though we're just ordinary. Like I could be an ordinary self, like just who I am. I could be me, just this plain guy. I can be a mighty man of God. You can be a mighty man or woman of God. We can be consecrated. Brian Clark last night, the reason that we love little, this one, this is the one that was jarring to me, the reason that we love little is because we believe we have been forgiven little. And we've been forgiven of so much. We have such a good God. All these realities are just floating around right here. And we've got to choose what we're going to do with them. The reality is, as, as we close here, while our... Our lives are going to end. This physical stuff is never going to matter again at some point in the near future. The things that we just spend hours and hours um, devoting our heart and our attention and our lives to, those things are going to pass away and they're going to have absolutely no consequence to, to what eternity looks like apart from this judgment that we're talking about right now. With this group of people, many of us know this stuff. We know what we need to do. We have just been putting it off. Um, We've been prioritizing things improperly. Well done, (laughs) thou good and faithful servant. Versus, man, you squandered everything I gave you. We're going to appear at a judgment seat of Christ. Uh, There's going to be a reckoning. And we will receive. And like Paul says, this is this is terrifying. It makes me want to labor. It makes me want to persuade you guys as much as lies within me just to take a step, do something, like figure something out, like whatever it is that God has showed you this week. Just move forward in it. If you don't even know how, ask somebody so that you can move forward with them and be accountable, and something can be different because everything that. At every moment of time is just so vital and so critical, and we don't know when this thing is going to come to an end. Redeem that time. The days are evil. <laughs> we're, we're going, like I'm going back to school in two days, like virtual school. I've got to figure out a way this semester. I haven't, seen, I haven't even met any of the kids that are in my classes the whole time. like I think maybe two kids have come to my Zoom office hours, i got to figure out a way how to redeem that time and redeem those interactions with those kids. i got to do something else. It's just not good enough right now for me. I, I'm, I'm persuading myself. i got to get to work. So I'm going to end with a question. If this generation right here won't take up the work of the ministry that we've been called to, that the Lord has given us, what are the consequences of that? As I say consequences, I say for you, I say for the world, I say for your eternity. What are the consequences of that if we see the work and we reject it? Lord, I just thank you for mission focus. I thank you for your word. Um, It's sharp. It's powerful. I pray that that was clear and digestible in some way and spoke to something where we're at. God, we need you. Uh, We need to move forward. I pray you persuade us, Paul persuades us, I, I, I'm along those lines. Lord, help us to see that, help us to move forward in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.